Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. When the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him into, excuse me, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us the light of the nations. And I pray that now as we hear that we would receive with open and joyful hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you could live as long as you wanted to, in reasonably good health, how long would that be? Any age. Forget about the the three score and ten thing. You know, any, any, any age, what would it be? There's a legend about the prophet Simeon, and it's, it's only a legend in the East, that he was 360 years old when he saw the baby Jesus. Without having to believe that story, imagine what it would be like to live 360 years. If you go back from today, 360 years. That would put you at the year 1663. You would be be alive just a few decades after the Mayflower landed at Plymouth. Think of all the history you could see from that time to now. You'd be the most awesome history professor ever. But of course, you would also witness a significant cultural downgrade as well. You would see secularism in a way that our fellow saints 300 plus years ago could not imagine. Just before Jesus' birth, God's kingdom seemed no closer than it was since the last prophet was on earth, Malachi 
400 years prior. And over that four-century period, God's people would witness the desecration of the temple by the Greeks. They would then see a brief window of opportunity for renewal. But then they would also see the snuffing out of that hope and domination at the hand of Rome. Now, the, the opportunity they had for renewal in that, that period between when the Old Testament was complete and, and, and the events of the New Testament started, it, it began with something called the Revolt of the Maccabees. In the year 167 B.C., the, the Greek monarch Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the Jerusalem temple and set up pagan shrines around Judea. One day, the Jewish priest Mattathias was told that he must sacrifice a pig in the temple to an idol, to which he boldly refused. When another Jew then stepped forward to make the sacrifice, Mattathias drew his sword and killed that man. And then he turned around and killed the officer who demanded he make the sacrifice. This is not a way to, you know, garner influence with those in power. He soon fled, but he, along with his sons, as they began this revolt, it would last for several years, and he would die, and many of his sons would die, but in time... The faithful remnant led by the Maccabees were able to cleanse and reconsecrate the temple. They established control over Jerusalem and even create a small kingdom with their family. Those from the Maccabees remaining, they would operate as the monarchs. It was called the Hasmonean dynasty and everyone thought God's kingdom is here. It started we have arrived. But a little over 100 years after that, an ongoing culture war between two political groups known as the Sadducees and the Pharisees created such friction that a civil war transpired in Judea. And then in the year 43 B.C., Rome intervened. Caesar Augustus, Mark Antony, and the Roman Senate sent troops into Jerusalem to create a new dynasty. They removed those from the Maccabee family and they brought in a new ruler known as Herod. Very soon... Herod exterminated all of the Maccabean family, one by one, women and men. And the hopes of God's people for restoration was at an ebb. They thought they had it in their grasp. Everything they could want, all of God's law fully applied in Jerusalem. The temple back the way it was supposed to be. And it didn't, it didn't work out. 
Now put yourself in Simeon's shoes. Simeon, being an old man, let's just say in the natural realm, being an old man, okay, Simeon had undoubtedly witnessed the Maccabean rulers being killed and Herod's ascension. He saw the Sadducees, the, the liberals, the progressives of their day, working hand in glove with the corrupt Herodian leaders, dominating the cultural landscape of Judea with their very sinister ideas. He knew the stories and the promises of God. And like all of us, if we were in His shoes, He was confronted certainly by doubts, yet remained a man of faith. We read in Scripture that He was both righteous as well as devout. And he was also waiting. Specifically, we're told he was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of God's people, Israel. Recalling the words of Isaiah 40, verse 1, when we're told, Comfort you, comfort you, my people. Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was moved by the hope that burned within him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah, the coming Savior. So let's step back for a second and ask this. Do you think despite the promises given to him, however they were communicated, do you think he ever was tempted with doubt? Was Moses tempted with doubt when God Himself came to him and spoke? Of course, we read about that. What about Zacharias, John the, John the Baptist's father? When an angel spoke to him, did he doubt? Simeon certainly could be tempted by doubt. So... Where, where do you turn when your doubts are at their strongest? Now, this is church, so we don't, talk about our, we don't talk about doubts and temptations here. I mean, of course not. This is church. We don't talk about sin here, our temptations. But we face it, right? There's, there's God's promises, and there's things that you're going through that you are quietly asking yourself, why and how long? Because I'm tired, and I'm not going to tell anybody, but I really don't feel like I can hold out very much more. Because I've been praying and waiting, and it's taking a while. When the Word of God doesn't feel like enough to hold to, what do you do? You have to continue cultivating the soil of faith. Continue in righteousness. Continue in devotion, as Simeon did. Because our temptation is to forsake the Word, to neglect gathering for worship, to neglect the prayer and giving of ourselves to one another, and instead to live by our feelings. But 
But God chose to preserve the world at that time through the faithful words, works, and worship of an imperfect people. Of all the ways he could govern his world, would you not think, I mean, if it was up to you and you, you had the ability, don't you think, man, I would just send the angels down and they would take care of business. Either you shape up or you ship out, right? We'll actually ship you out. That's how we would do it, right? But he chose to put a bunch of people here who sin more than we would like to admit. And that's the good people. And he gives, he gives us his spirit. And even, but this is before the time of Christ. We have a lot that we can observe that they didn't have. While you wait and battle doubt, don't forsake the grace God offers you in worship, in fellowship, and nurturing acts of devotion like, like prayer, meditation, reading Scripture. This is how He is intended to build you up. These acts don't garner a lot of attention at least not from human audiences. But they are part of our preparation. When we think of waiting, sometimes we, we, we think of just you know, sitting down in a chair and you know, twiddling our thumbs this way, and then when we get bored, we turn, you know, go the opposite direction and twiddle them that way. That's what we think of waiting. No, what waiting is not just, just sitting idle. It involves preparing for something. And we are preparing for the coming of the Savior. You say, well, why do we prepare for that? He's already came. Well, He came the first time. It's not the last time. And the chances are pretty strong that everybody in this room will die before the final resurrection. And when that happens... You will see him then. He will come for you. That's what we are preparing for. We are actively working towards. Sometimes we think while, while we are waiting, while we are preparing, that nothing's actually happening because we don't see anything happening. But all the time, we're either preparing for God to work or we're closing ourselves off from God working. There is no in-between. You're either actively yielding yourself, giving yourself to the work of God, or you are stepping away from it. Now again, don't try to judge this by your feelings. Because if you're having a bad day, that doesn't mean, well, I must be just in some wicked sin that I just don't know yet. No. It's, it's as simple as, are you striving? I don't mean how, I'm not talking about how successful you are. Are you striving to obey God? When your faith feels very low, are you saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief? You can't judge your direction by your feelings. 
So instead, ask, are you continuing to follow Christ by faith as best you can? Do you strive to believe even when faith seems impossible? That's how you properly wait. Kids, listen to me. I've got one thing for you. If, you, if This week you can work on one thing. Work on this. Patience. Now I know you'd much rather work on making your parents do things quicker. Can we please go now? Can we please sing now? Can we please eat now? That's what we want. That's what you want too. And I'll tell you what, when you're an adult, adults want the same thing. We want to hurry people up as well, okay? So learn patience now. That means waiting even though you want people to do something immediately. Learn to wait. It's good practice for the rest of your life. Because most of life is waiting. Well then, on the day appointed, a day that likely many didn't know anything would happen, Joseph and Mary brought their newborn son to the temple. This building, which had been consecrated then desecrated, rebuilt, and now it was a mixture of righteousness and unrighteousness. This building witnessed the entrance of the Son of God. Jesus came, and not many people knew it. With the exception of His meeting of Simeon and Anna, Jesus' first visit to the temple was normal. Wasn't a lot that went on outside of a circumcision. Now in time, He would re-enter the same temple. He would cleanse it. In time, He would heal people. He would perform miracles. He would proclaim God's kingdom. He would go throughout Judea making this declaration to, to everyone. But not yet. For that, people had to wait. But not Simeon. Simeon was finished waiting. Having seen the fulfillment of all his hopes, Simeon could now die in peace. So how could he be content, though, when he had seen nothing of the great things Jesus was going to do. He didn't see the miracles. He didn't see the dead raised to life. He didn't see the 5,000 fed. He, didn't, he could not even hear the message from Jesus' own mouth of God's kingdom come. So how could he rest content? Because in the face of Jesus, his old eyes saw the salvation of God come to man. Simple. In the face of the Lord. He saw the expectation of Israel who would bring light to the nations of the world. In that little face, Simeon 
saw the glory of Israel in human form. We read in this text of no bright lights, like on the Mount of Transfiguration, no voice like there was at Jesus' baptism. Simeon didn't see Jesus' amazing works in his life, and that was okay. Seeing the face of God incarnate was enough. As Jesus said later to Thomas, You've seen and believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. When we walk in faith with little to show for it, we usually, because we're humans, we want a dynamic finish. We want the climactic bing, bang, boom, ah, it happens and everyone recognizes it. We want the walls to come down like they did at Jericho or the lion's mouths to be shut, as with Daniel. We want the sea monster to cough up the repentant prophet who would bear the marks and see an entire people turn themselves over to God like with Jonah. Or the priest even to slay the pagan interlopers as Mattathias did. That's what we want. The big finish. When you come to the end of life, will you be content to see the face of God? If you don't see everything work out in this life as you would like, but you see Jesus, is that enough? Now I realize some of you, when you hear that, you may think, but what about everything else? Are, are, are you saying that, 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 that all this tangible stuff is just useless? Not at all. He made the stuff. We're told that even the very creatures of the world themselves will one day, that, that they look for the redemption, for the revelation of the sons of God. In the book of Revelation, we see the creatures in, in, in the sky, in the, in the water, and on the land, all giving praise to God. So, so no, I'm not saying that everything else is useless. But I'm saying that Jesus, when we see Him, He makes everything else fall into its proper place. It's not that everything else goes out, but we, our vision is finally restored. Dear saints, if you wait, if you continue preparing for the coming of Christ, you will see Him. Just like Simeon, He will come on the appointed day. The apocalypse for each of us comes on that day, certainly, of our death. But, but when you see Jesus in His face, you will see the salvation of the cosmos. You will see in His face all the scars 
from that crown of thorns turned into a beautiful crown. All the worst that death and hell could dish out turned into beauty. When you see His face, you will see a kind of glory that outstrips every accomplishment you or I or all the world's population combined together could hope to perform. You say, how can this be? How is it possible? Because there's a lot of mess out there. There's a lot of mess in here. How can we see all of that in one? I don't fully know. But if an old man who had waited all of his life to see God's deliverance could be satisfied looking into the eyes of a newborn baby, I can promise you we will be more than satisfied when we look into the face of our glorified King. His face doesn't exclude the rest of creation, but it brings all things into its proper focus. So the exhortation today is simple. While you prepare, while you wait... Look to Jesus. Your own accomplishments will never satisfy you. They will never be enough. Every time you do something that you think, I've got it, I've arrived, then you discover pretty soon, well, there's a whole lot more. And then one day you'll even hit a point where you, when you realize, I will never get everything done that I wanted to. I'll never see it all done. I will die before it's all complete. At that point, you've started to get the point. It's only, it's, only all, it's only complete in Him. So keep on working, serving, resting, and loving those around you. But all of this you must do while looking first to Jesus. Rest in His promise that one day you will see Him. And you will see in His face, just as Simeon did, your greatest hope finally realized. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your gifts. We thank You for the face of Christ that we know one day we will see. May we continue walking in faith, and may we delight in you as we prepare to see him. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.